0: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: So I'm recording this on the night that we were supposed to air the incredible interview that was life-changing for me and guys (laughs) technical difficulties there are tech demons and I'm telling you I mean we know this at if gathering our whole ministry is tech I cannot tell you how many safeguards we had in place and y'all crashed the freaking internet so thank you for being part of this thank you for being patient with us we are certain that this is important and we know that God is with us and for us and specifically for those that lives are in danger today we just want to rally to love them to support them in every way right now tonight thousands and thousands of afghans will go to sleep and they will be despairing and they will be praying does anybody see us does anybody see us and guys we see them we see them And you're gonna hear this interview and it is going to be so powerful. You're gonna be convicted. It is going to, I believe, help shape our view of discipleship in the West. But we're also going to rally behind our Afghan brothers and sisters. This team, Global Catalytic Ministries, has direct access to names on the ground that they can get funds to. Every dime that you give to this, it is going to help these people feel seen and get out of there or if they feel called to stay or can't leave to get them the resources that they need so we believe in this work (laughs) I mean shoot I just know I mean the enemy comes after things like this and it's just weird we are a tech company like we know how to keep things up we have millions of people that watch if gathering and we keep the stream up and yet I know there's dark forces there's vision says it dark cosmic forces and Tonight, I am going to bed, though, smiling, knowing that the people of God are plentiful around the earth and that we can come together in moments like this to support each other, to come around those that are suffering. And so I love you guys. I am so grateful to get to do this work, and I'm so grateful for those of you that are teammates of mine. I've never met you, but we've done this podcast together for a long time, or we've done If Gathering for a long time. And I know that right now... (laughs) I'm wandering around outside and I've had a good cry tonight because it didn't go how we wanted, but I know that right now God is in his powerful way doing what he wants to do with this. So I'm trusting that this podcast will reach even further than our live stream would have last night. I'm believing that this will, will raise even more money than we would have raised last night. So let's do this.
2: Throughout history, persecution has always grown the church. What if I told you that the fastest growing churches in the world are actually happening in the 10 most dangerous countries for a Christian to live? Number one on the list, Iran. When the Ayatollah Khomeini came to power over 40 years ago, Iranians saw the true face of radical Islam. Now, those mosques are empty. Why? God is moving powerfully inside of Iran. The Iranian people are meeting Jesus through dreams and visions and power encounters. And now they're an estimated 1 million believers in Iran alone. Men and women in the underground church are bringing the gospel to people who have experienced Jesus for themselves. This church movement has no bank account, no 501c3s, no centralized leadership, No denominations, no church buildings or seminaries. And if any one of them is caught, they could be executed, at the least, in prison. And yet, it is exploding. It's currently being led by former prostitutes, drug lords, Islamic radicals, and many of them women. The voice of the man in this interview has been masked and altered for the protection of his identity.
3: So my name is Jenny Allen, and I'm the founder and visionary of an organization called If Gathering, and what we do is we disciple women across the world, really, and several months ago, I was introduced to Pastor X. Pastor X is on the ground in the Middle East, and he has been part of the incredible movement of God that is happening there. There are faster-growing churches in these countries, many of them, than anywhere else in the world. The church is exploding in the Middle East. And if you haven't heard that story, I would really encourage you to watch our interview that we did a few months ago. It is incredible and we'll provide links for you to watch it. And so Pastor X reached out. Steve his, his part, is part of his team. Trevino, you're going to get to know both of them. But, but they reached out after Monday, the Taliban took control of Afghanistan. Well, they have church leaders on the ground there that they're in direct correspondence with. Many of you have heard that there are incredible atrocities happening right now in Afghanistan and, and they actually are in correspondence with people on the ground that they love, that they know by name, that they care about, and, and those people are literally running for their lives. And so I wanted you to hear um, the story from them. I wanted uh, you to hear what God is doing there. Um, there is, They are not hopeless. In fact, the courage that I am hearing out of Afghanistan is just incredible. So before we get started, let me introduce both these men to you. Steve Trevino is one of the leaders on the U.S. side for a ministry called Global Catalytic Ministries. And he is just an ambassador for the work that's happening over there. Steve, tell everybody a little bit about what you do.
4: Hey, Jenny, thank you so much for having us and thank you for your heart. We really appreciate you guys and everything that uh, you have done. I mean, you guys have really sprung to action here. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we're a small uh, leadership team. We are helping uh, lead and grow the fastest growing movement of Christianity in the world today. And and uh, we, have, we have leaders in Iran, and, and as many of you uh, may know, uh, there's been a lot of press and a lot of buzz uh, because Iran is the fastest growing church in the world right now. And all of our leaders in Iran are training leaders in Afghanistan. These are indigenous leaders, local leaders. And Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world. And so we're really humbled and grateful just to be a part of this. God's doing it. You know, we like to say that He just gives us. Uh, a front row seat, and we get to watch it happen. So, um yeah, we're here today because obviously, you know our hearts are are broken like everyone else's, and we're seeing this uh, you know incredible chaos. But I think that together as the body of christ, we we have an opportunity to really make a significant impact.
3: Mm. so pastor x, if if people have not heard your story, talk just a little bit high level about what you've gotten to be a part of in the last decade over in
5: the Middle East. First, I just want to thank you, Jenny, for having this call and making it happen so quickly. You know, our hearts are just devastated by what's happening with our brothers and sisters inside of Afghanistan. Uh, My story is I came from the West. I was born in the West. I grew up in the West. I grew up in the church. And I was a Christian since I've been nine years old and just grew up in the church and I saw what happened and I always said to myself there has to be more to the church. So I left the church when I was 16 and I went into the world and when I was 23 I came back and I started working for a church and that's kind of how I met my wife. My wife was born in a Middle Eastern country and she followed Islam since she was three years old. She wore the burqa at age five and she read the Quran at the age of nine, and she memorized the Quran at the age of 13. She went to an Islamic fundamentalist school for women. At the age of 17, became an evangelist for Islam and religious police in that country. And she tries to commit suicide because she could not get close to God, and she was so upset. And at the time, her mom was diagnosed with MS, and her MS goes so quickly that she loses control of her legs. Her eyes are drooping, and she's drooling. And so she tries to kill herself again. Her mom stops her. Uh, Her family stops her. And she's like, look, if you won't let me commit suicide in the freedom of my own home, I'll do it in the streets. And so she's fighting with her mom. She's like, look, you're dying. I want to kill myself. Let's commit suicide together. So they made a suicide pact. And on a Friday night, they kick her father out. They kick the sister out. And they're about to turn on the natural gas and the sleeping pills. And they turn on a program. Now this is the same program I was a cameraman on and the program said, my brothers and sisters, why do you want to kill yourself tonight? Jesus wants to change your life. So she said, I'm going to call these infidels, prove that Jesus is dead and then kill myself so I can be the first person to go in front of our Lord and say, I was perfect in your law. So she calls the program and her mom speaks to the person. And after 20 minutes, she comes to Christ. And my wife is furious. How dare you blaspheme Muhammad? How dare you do this on the night of our suicide? Why'd you do this? And, and her mom starts crying and says, please talk to the pastor. And she says, I'm not going to talk to the pastor. And her mom says, my last wish is that you talk to the pastor. So because of honor and shame, she talks to the pastor. And after two hours, the pastor could not convince her to come to Christ. So the pastor says, look, You have served Allah all your life. The fruit of it is that you're depressed, suicidal, you want to kill yourself. Your mom has MS and she's dying. Give Jesus one week and if he does not do anything, go ahead and kill yourself. So she said herself, okay, I'll accept this challenge and next week with a gun, I will kill myself to prove Jesus is dead. So she hangs up the phone and at five in the morning, she hears her mom screaming and she thinks that the MS has hit her lungs and she sees her mom walking perfectly in the house. So they run to the hospital and do the blood work and an MRI and there's no MS in her body. They said to the wife, you know, what what did your mom pray to? She said, I didn't pray to anyone, I prayed to Jesus. And immediately she brings five people to Christ right there. So the next week she calls the pastor and says, I was the girl who wanted to embarrass Jesus, but Jesus embarrassed me. Now I brought five people to Christ. What should I do with them? So about a year after this, I was working in tech and I had a very expensive house and almost $200,000 job. And the pastor of the program says, hey, we're going to this Middle Eastern country. So we went and I was there, I was in front of the mosque and the Lord started speaking to me and said, do you see these people? And I said, yes, Lord. And he says, they're all going to hell. If I give you away, will you reach them? And I said to the Lord, okay, I'll do it. And so the next day I see my future wife and God tells me this is my wife. And so I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, she doesn't speak a word of English. And I don't speak a word of her language. How is this even going to work? How is this possible? So I went to the pastor and told him, look, there's something spiritual happening with me and my wife. And he said, why don't you guys pray about it and come and see me about six months later? And six months later, I go and see her and he tells me three more times, this is your wife. And so I go up to her after the third time. And I said, you know what? God is telling me you're my wife. Will you marry me? And she agreed and was like, yeah, God is telling me you're my husband. So Let's get married. So when I meet her the second time after six months, she has 250 people, 25 house churches in five cities. She was actually leading the biggest movement at that time in that country as a woman. So she asked me, do you have any conditions of our marriage? And I said, yeah, we never go back to the country you're from because I have a life in the West. There's no need for us to go basically say bye to your parents and I could not come back there. So she agreed and she comes back with me to the country I'm from. And basically after working two months with her hero of the faith, the pastor, and leading her ministry throughout the internet, she comes up to me and says, "I'm depressed." and I said, "Why are you depressed? There's all these things, there's malls, there's supermarkets, there's everything you want with a huge house, the latest car, like what's going on." And she says, "The West is under the Western Church is under a satanic lullaby and I'm going to sleep." And every time I want to wake up, the lullaby goes faster. Let's go to her country. And I was like, let's not. Are you crazy? This country is threatening all these other countries. War is about to break out. There's no way I'm going to this country. Well, praise the Lord, my my wife loves to pray. And after praying for a month, I lose my job during the big financial meltdown in the world in 2008. So we went to the country and it just grew. It grew. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people. What I always tell people is Jesus is making a mess of the country and we're just the cleanup crew. Jesus is coming in dreams, vision, and power encounters and we're just cleaning up his mess. And so the Lord is moving so powerfully that the government of this country comes on the television and says the number one enemy of the state is Christianity and the house church network. The next day, I had 200 leaders arrested. That year, I had 1,300 people arrested. And we went from 5,000 people to 200 to 300. And we went from 50 cities to one. And I started crying. I said, where are you? In the book of Acts, persecution grows the church. Why is persecution killing the church? And finally, the Lord said to me, after a year and a half, you made converts, not disciples. Converts will run away from persecution. Disciples will die for me. And so I said, well, Lord, what does that mean? He said, look at your wife. And I'm looking at her and he says to me, because she encountered me, she will die for me. You must give the word of God, but it must be sealed by the power of God. So I started looking at new ways of leading people to Christ and discipling them. And this is where we are now, To you know, doing disciple making movements that multiply. And right now it's growing everywhere. We're part of the fastest growing church in the world we're part of the second fastest, and we're part of other fast-moving churches in the Middle East, and God is moving very powerfully.
3: To give you guys an, an, a picture of what he's saying, they went from a few hundred in that country to a million to two million believers. And and that is happening throughout the Middle East. It's in several different countries. Uh, Pastor X is a part of that in several different countries and, and his leadership is as well. And so, yeah, it is mind blowing. When I learned all this, um, you just see that the gates of hell cannot stand against the church of God. And so in this moment though, we are looking at at specifically Afghanistan. So, so let's start with what is happening in that country and a little bit about what you texted me yesterday, just this idea that, that they are running for their lives. Talk about the, the friends that you have there. It was interesting. I, I just want to say this too. Yesterday, I was like, Can you tell me about how many leaders you have there? And it was so amazing. Pastor X is looking at his spreadsheet and, and going down and counting the names and the contacts of his leaders and people on the ground that are fleeing right now. So these are real life people that you have a relationship with. Talk about, about them and what's going on in the last 24, 48 hours.
5: Well, You can say it like this, 20 years of building a country and building an infrastructure has been decimated in this moment in history. The Taliban have a hit list of all the believers and they're going to go after them. And the Christians are literally going to the mountains of Afghanistan right now with the clothes on their back. The Taliban have been threatening everyone, especially in the rural areas. Every house that has a girl in it, a woman in it, has to put an X on it. If they don't put an X and they find there's a woman in the house, they'll come and kill everyone. So the Taliban is taking every girl under 15 for their prize, you know, for their jihad reward. That's their prize or their treasure. And any woman over 25, they kill the husband, take the woman and do whatever they want with them and then sell them into the sex trade. So many of the people in Afghanistan who are men have given guns to their daughters and wives and say, look, you have a decision to make. When the Taliban come, you either kill them or you kill yourself because we can't help you. So many of the believers and many of the Afghans are running to the mountains because of this, because the Taliban have come with a vengeance in their heart.
3: And believers, I mean, you're, you're saying Afghanistan's one of the fastest growing churches in the Middle East. So talk about what they're experiencing and specifically the Taliban's vengeance towards Christianity.
5: So Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world right now. And so the believers, like I said, because of the hit list, they've run from their house. They're running from city to city. So many of the top leaders we have, they're on this hit list. And so they're scared for their lives and they're running to the mountains. But the glory part of this is that many of their leaders So this is like third and fourth generation leaders are staying because they're not on the hit list. And they're like, this is the best time to move the kingdom. Actually, one of them has a wife that's pregnant, is staying there, called my mother-in-law and said, when is our Zoom meeting? And my mother-in-law is like, are you kidding me? Like right now, you want to have a Zoom meeting? Where are you? He's like, it doesn't matter where I am. I have signal. Let's have our Zoom meeting. We need to talk about how to move the kingdom forward. And my mother-in-law started crying. She's like, these are the giants of the faith and we have it so easy. They're running for their lives and are thinking about how to bring people to Jesus. They had to comfort my mother-in-law because she started crying and he's like, don't worry for me. Don't worry for my wife. We belong to Christ. If something happens to us today, we'll see you tomorrow. This isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. They have such boldness, such courage that I can't even say anything about it. It's just so powerful.
3: Steve, I want you to give everybody a high-level picture of, of kind of what's happening in the country right now. What what are you all facing as leaders of leaders that are on the ground?
4: Yeah, so I think what's happening, you know, right now in Afghanistan is, you know, we're seeing that that no amount of money can change a nation. I mean, you're talking about, you know, trillions of dollars that have been pumped into the economy. Um, you know, you're talking about occupation, training, resources, um, you know, shipping containers filled with cash have been sent to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that the only way to change a nation is through discipleship. Uh, it's not through conquering, through through, through violence, through uh, coercion. It's not um, through intimidation, but it's through love. And so these churches, these indigenous leaders that come to Jesus, these are locals that uh, respond to the gospel. You know, there's different terms for them. Sometimes we call them persons of peace, um, but they, they, uh, they respond to to the message of Jesus. And, uh, and then they start discipleship networks, and these discipleship networks—they—they they grow, they—they they multiply, they reproduce, and this—you know—beautiful organic expression of the body of Christ um, has has grown in the shadows, undetected, and 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 so uh, in a matter of you know a few weeks, um, you know everything that was stable, everything I'm you know, I, and Afghanistan has has never. Uh, Ever been really fully stable, Um, but it was manageable. Uh, And in a matter of weeks, you know, the entire nation is is uh, turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, we have we have some believers that are that are remaining uh, in their homes, and some some are undetected. Some you know their 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 Christianity is still covert, and so they're able to function. Uh, you know, we have a story of of a uh, someone in the medical field who was approached by the Taliban uh, for help. Uh, they were they were requesting water and and food, and this person is a believer, and uh, because of their occupation, uh, they were able to still have access and maintain access. And so, literally, you have believers who are still functioning and doing their job and 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 actually serving the yeah. Taliban water and food um, and uh, and keeping them close enough so that when the opportunity presents itself to be able to share the gospel oh um, they'll do that and and so that's that's literally happening right now and then you have an uh, uh, another you know group that is having to flee and so um, they they are um, you know, in the mountains, they're, they're, they're hiding, um, they're in caves, um, and, you know, our heart breaks obviously for, um, for all of the believers, um, you know, especially knowing that, that winter is coming and, you know, winters in Afghanistan are, are are incredibly harsh, um, and so, um, we, we're, we're in the process of organizing, um, a strategy to be able to to, to get much needed resources, uh, much needed equipment and gear to these folks, uh, you know, just on a on a very practical level, you know, just just to be able to to, to serve them. Uh, but then also just calling the American church to pray and, and the response of of the church here in the West. It has been it's been beautiful. Um, you know, you've seen it. Uh, we see it all over social um, and so it, it, it's, it's really encouraging. And we get to go back and we get to share that with these believers. We get to tell them that, that the Church of the West is in your corner. The Church of the West has not forgotten about you, but is, but is you know, rising to this challenge. And, uh, and you know, we, we, we want to do everything that we can.
3: So we're going to talk about this at the end as well, but right now, if you're watching and you want to be a part of supporting this ministry, you can go to the link that's on the screen. We want you to partner with them because this is one of those moments where we actually are going to directly be able to get these funds in to help believers that are that are in danger in Afghanistan. And, and so to clarify what you're saying, Steve, that there are Christians that that are still you know not known they're not on a list somewhere and they they're aware of that that they they have stayed covert and underground and they're able to stay where they are and they're able to love the taliban and then there are christians that are on lists and and are fleeing for their lives because they the taliban has made threats against them the taliban has made clear that they are coming for them talk about that for a minute
4: yeah and 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 it also has to do with you know the uh the going door to door. And so imagine if, if you're in a neighborhood and you know that you have daughters or you have a wife and, 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 you know, you're forced to have to, you know, indicate with an X on the outside of your door. And so, and so, you know, some folks are choosing to, to, to flee uh, instead of having to face that. And, um, and so while other, other believers, you know, I mean, we've had conversations with believers who have said that they I will not leave. And, you know, those are the conversations that are simultaneously inspiring and heartbreaking Yeah. because we know that because of the resilient faith of these believers, there will be martyrs uh, because of this. Yeah. And so, um, you know, our role is, is, is to continue to provide support and prayer and resources, um, or for whatever the decision may be. If they want to stay, then we want to stand with them. If they want to flee, then we want to help them.
3: And and they're fleeing to the mountains and the caves because countries around them, their borders are closing. Talk about that for a minute, just the desperation of they're, they're not able to get out of the country even though their lives are in danger.
4: Yeah, that's right. You know, that is one of the unfortunate realities of this uh, situation is that, you know, neighboring countries have closed their borders. Some are posting uh, you know, armed soldiers. Uh, some are putting up walls, um, and they are at at the moment uh, refusing to to grant uh, refugee status. Um, uh, you know, to to these to these believers.
3: So, I, I want to go back to Pastor X, and I want you to share because everybody's just leaning forward right now. I can picture everybody that is watching, and they're just leaning forward and going, "This is this is so different than my context." I want you to give a picture of, of a believer there in Afghanistan and, and just their commitment to Christ and what that looks like, because they haven't had the discipleship that we've had, even though it has happened, praise God, because you all have been a part of, of helping that happen. Um, They still don't, you know, they're not sitting there with years and years and years of following Christ behind them, but they are, they are completely in to the point of risking their lives. For Jesus, talk about just that mentality and and what it looks like to choose Jesus in that context.
5: Well, you know, one of the things we have to redefine is what does it mean to be mature in Christ. Is it years or is it obedience? So I actually chose obedience and not years because there are many people who have years in Christ and they're not obedient. So the biggest difference right now is that what's happening in Afghanistan and the rest of the Middle East is that they've learned to obey Christ. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey me, and you cannot pick the the gospel and the Bible as a buffet. They obey all the commandments of Christ. They obey the whole Bible and nothing but the Bible. And so these believers, they might be one year or two year, but they're very mature because from the moment they've met this God, they've been obeying this God and trusting this God. Actually tangibly feeling God, seeing him in our lives becoming personal because we're listening to him and after all these months, even a year, they're completely sold out and they know the Bible is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth.
3: Before we were recording, we were praying together and and you are praying big prayers that many people would be saved because of the persecution that is befalling Afghanistan believers right now. And I would say that persecution has always grown the church. I mean, you can see that throughout church history. And so talk a little bit about your prayers and your hope, Pastor X, as as you're watching something so difficult happen to people that you love.
5: Well, you know one thing, I, I live in a country that has persecution, but not to the level of Afghanistan, but still very high. And one of the things I've learned is that persecution keeps you clinging. It keeps you focused. So when there's persecution that happens, it's like the perfect storm. There's economic unrest. There's political unrest. There's social unrest. And that's the perfect storm for the gospel. But these countries are on persecution. The gospel just flourishes because we come to Jesus when we're broken. You know, I say something that might be a little bit heavy, but I'd rather people go to hell on earth and go to heaven than have heaven on earth, but go to hell. And so when I see this happening in Afghanistan, I know that Jesus is going to move the gospel forward because this is a Matthew 11:12 12 moment. This is the place and time when God is going to pour out his grace, pour out his spirit in Afghanistan. He's sitting on the throne. He's not surprised by this. He wasn't shocked. But he's going to use this for his glory, and he's going to come in dreams and visions like he's done in other countries. And many of the Afghans are going to get saved right now.
3: I think about the incredible um, work that God has already done through the church in the Middle East. And I think all of us, just as as we are getting our head around it, what's been happening, which you all have been a part of and known for, for many years, we're just starting to get educated on how much has been happening through you because of God. So help, help me know um, what it looks like in this next season for us to really partner with you, because now we know and And we aren't naive anymore. And so I want you, Pastor X, to talk about that first, just in prayer. What does it look like for us to support these these other believers, brothers and sisters that are on the ground right now in prayer?
5: So our prayer requests are to pray for those fleeing to the hills to be protected, which would be like psalm seventy three and psalm ninety one. Pray for the miraculous protection for women and children being forcibly taken, and those who have already been taken for their protection, salvation, and deliverance second Thessalonians three one through five that the Afghan Church steps into her identity in Christ and walks in the unity of the Holy Spirit ezekiel thirty seven and Romans fifteen five through six this is an Esther moment right now you know Esther had a moment to save the Jews by going into the king's chambers. Well, we have a moment that God wants to use to save the Afghan people, and we need your prayers because everything happens through prayer. If you're not praying, the kingdom of God will not go forward. So the spiritual warfare is very extreme in the Middle East, and we need your prayers big time.
3: Mm. Well, we want to do that. And before we do, I, I am eager to hear Steve as well, what we can do to financially support. So talk just a little bit about what if people give today? We're we're hoping to raise, guys, two hundred thousand to get directly into Afghanistan, and that will be a little bit tricky. Um, people can only take a certain amount, so I um, mean, this has to be incredibly strategic how they're going to get these funds in. But Steve, talk about exactly what people would be giving to today.
4: Yeah, you're right. So you know, we we need to raise two hundred thousand dollars, and uh, and and what that what those funds are going to go for is. You know, right now, what we're doing is we're going to build a war chest for these uh, for these believers. And, you know, we we have access right now. You know, we can get funds, uh, you know, directly into the country through divine strategy and favor. Um, and so, you know, we're going to do that. And we, we already have teams that are ready to do that. And then there's supplies. There's much needed supplies. You know, we, we need to get gear for the winter. We need to get food. Uh, vitamins um, and so um, all of those things. Obviously, um, they're going to take uh, some strategy. They're going to take a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of resources. But one hundred percent of everything that comes in is going to go directly to impacting and serving uh, the believers that are in Afghanistan today.
0: Mm.
3: And and that number of of people that they directly have access to that are believers is around fifteen hundred people. And we know that that will ultimately reach more because you know it is. It is incredible, just the community over there and and what's happening. Um, I wanted to read this, and we're going to close in prayer. Um, Romans 8.31 says this, because we are praying this for our sisters and brothers in Afghanistan. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, God, here we are, and we are begging you for these verses to fill the souls of those that are running that are fleeing that are suffering, God, would would these verses wash over them? Would they experience your peace? Would they, would they believe that that they are, um, God, loved by you and seen by you and not just seen and loved by you, but seen by us, God, that the world is praying for them and with them. The global church is is cheering and and praying and believing God in in you for them. And, And so God, would they not feel alone? In the dark. God, I pray that that there would be a mighty hand of protection over their lives. Would you persevere their physical lives, God, on earth? And God, we thank you for this incredible movement that you have started through people, God, like Pastor X, that that have just followed you and obeyed. And you have done this mighty thing and caused so many others to follow you and to obey, God. Would this only be fuel? for the church of Jesus in the Middle East, God. We know that you have all things in your hand and that you are in control and that you are able to do anything at any point. And so we ask you, God, for protection over these believers, over their wives, over their children. God, would you protect them? Would you you hide them? And God, would there be a a beautiful uprising of the church across the globe? Would we not be naive and checked out, but would we be engaged that that your gospel is going forth in the darkest places? And God, how much more we should take the gospel, God, to the places that that we aren't being killed for, God, that, that we can just talk about you today, those of us that that are safe and probably those of us that are watching this. Help us to be bold. Help us to believe. Help us to see our part in this beautiful story that you're building in our generation. We trust you. We believe you give us God confidence to follow you in the same way. Would they be role models to us? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that is being done. And thank you that we get to be a part of it in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I would love pastor X for you just to close us out. Just give everybody that's watching just a word of encouragement of what it looks like for us in our places, wherever we are, with our lives intact, with our plenty, with our comforts—what does it look like for us today to to be obedient, to to actually um, not fall under that lullaby that that your wife talks about?
5: Well, you know, one is that we have to live for eternity. You know, what are we living for? Are we living for the things of this world? that is going to pass away in an earthquake, in a fire, you know, through natural events? Or are we living for eternity? We're sojourners in this world. we got to focus on eternity, and we also got to focus on the lost. God sent his son for the lost. Jesus died for the lost. Jesus didn't die for the believer. That's the resurrection. He spilt his blood for the lost, and we have to remember that. That the whole reason the church is in existence is to go and fulfill the Great Commission. That means go and make disciples of everyone, of anyone, everywhere. It doesn't say, for God so loved the believer, he sent his only begotten son. It says, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. So if you want to wake up, you need to be about your father's business, which is what? Go and disciple people. Go and bring people to Jesus. And don't just pass them like a hot potato at church. Live life with them like Jesus did. Disciple them. Bring them on the process. And that's one thing we can help you guys with. You can partner with us. We're actually also doing this in America, what we're doing in the Middle East. And we have a whole curriculum ready and a whole program ready to start the same movement that's happening in the Middle East inside of America. Jenny, maybe in one year, maybe in a few years, we may be talking about America being the fastest growing church in the world. What if we hear that again?
3: Well, and I'm with you. I think that the cost of the church growing is likely persecution. And and I just want to say that we're not under it, guys. And if if anything, um, looking at Afghanistan right now, you see um, how far away we are from that. However, it can happen fast. And as a believer in the West, my heart is to equip and disciple as many people as we can through the resources and tools we build, because we don't know when everything will or could change. And, and we want people to be prepared. But but that moment has not happened here. Persecution is not um, what we're experiencing here yet. To say um, to say that in light of what's happening in Afghanistan would be would be a um, trite thing to say. And so we are, though, preparing and and imagining what it looks like to persevere in in any situation that that we are faced with in the United States or in other countries. And so. You know, it's a fun time to be alive. It's a hard time to be alive. And yet I believe that that there are things happening in this generation that are shaping eternity. And it's just such an honor to get to share this conversation and friendship with both of you being some of the leading people that are causing those things to happen so we're really really grateful to know you and thank you so much for giving us time and telling us these stories just so that we can pray better and hopefully fund at least 200,000 that we can get into Afghanistan so you guys go give right now the link is up go to the link and and let's knock this out as fast as we can and let's in fact let's blow it out of the water my hope is we bypass that 200,000 and raise so much um, so that we can truly get help and aid to believers in Afghanistan. Thank you guys both so much for what you do.
2: We are grateful for the opportunity to partner with Global Catalytic Ministries in this moment. If you're interested in giving to Global Catalytic Ministries so they can provide necessary funds to believers on the ground, go to catalyticministries.com slash giving. That's catalyticministries.com slash giving. And we will make sure to put the link in the show notes. For a seven-day prayer guide and more information on giving, go to ifgathering.com slash Afghanistan.